if you have heard me speak at, for any length of time, you would have somehow, sometime heard me talk about my poor sense of direction. And that's why wherever I go anywhere, one of my able colleagues give me you know, a piece of paper with clear direction. You know, you, on the third traffic light, you turn right. And then on the second stop sign, you go left. And they give me absolutely clear direction so I don't mess up. And that is why when I'm driving with these little directions in my hand, I dread a sign that says detour. You're trying to follow the detour and there's no sign. And it's really become frustrating. But the problem with spiritual detours is that in most cases, there are no signs. Before you know it, you're on a detour and you're off the tracks and you never realize you got there. Now those of us who have been on a spiritual detours understand the pain and the agony that is associated with finding yourself way, way, way away from your destination. About a year or so after I was saved and received Christ as my Savior of my life, the devil succeeded in tempting me. And I'm saying tempting me. He did not make me. <laughs> he tempted me to get away into a dangerous spiritual detour. I remember clearly wandering in that maze for 18 months, perhaps the most painful 18 months of my Christian walk. And I thought often of the parable of the sower. You know, Jesus talked about sower went out and was sowing seed. And then the Lord talks about what causes detours in the Christian walk, in the Christian life, detours from the highway to heaven. And Jesus said there are a variety of things that can cause people to get on a spiritual detour. Things that will take you into the wilderness of sin and disobedience. For example, Jesus said that worry and anxiety is one of those things that can take you off on a detour in your walk with God. Worldly pleasures and, and wrong relationships can take you off on a detour, that pursuit of materialism and worldly success can get you in one of those miserable detours. In my case, I listened to the lie of the devil and ended up on a detour. This is how it happened. Not long after I became saved, my mother died at the age of 52. I was almost 17 years old and a brand new Christian, maybe walking with the Lord several months. And for a while, I was comforted. I was encouraged because I was in company of mature believers, godly men who would minister to me. And that gave me a great deal of comfort and understanding and, and peace in my heart. But then I did what many Christians do. That is, I got away from Christian fellowship. I wandered away from accountability and from being in communion with a, a group of men who were watching over me and ministering to me. And let me warn you from painful experience, whenever you get away from Christian fellowship, Satan is going to try to have his way with you. And he longs to get you away from the warmth of fellowship in order to die down your passion for Christ. In my case, he began to whisper in my ear, 
How can the loving God take away your mother at such early age? And I fell for it. I fell for it. (laughs) You know what the insidious part about those 18 months? I never stopped going to church. I kept going to church. My body was going to the church, but my heart was filled with a cold love for the Lord. I was backsliding right in the church pew. Right in the church pew. Make no mistake about it. I am not blaming the devil. This is not the devil made me do it. The devil tempts, but he does not make you do anything. In fact, I was thinking about the devil makes me do it. I thought of the little kid who forever raiding the cookie jar just before dinner. And his mother got very tired of telling him, don't do this. Don't eat the cookies before dinner. And he says, well, the devil makes me do it. (laughs) The devil always makes me do it. And she said, okay, next time the devil tempts you to do this, just say, get behind me, Satan. Sure enough, a few days later, he was raiding the cookie jar just before dinner. And his mother said, didn't I tell you when the devil tempts you, just say, get behind me, Satan? He said, I did. But then when he got behind me, he pushed me into the cookie jar. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the devil made me do it. I deliberately chose a detour from the plan of God in my life. And that's why you see me, often I get choked up every time I talk about the grace of God and the mercy of God. And I was showing you how in the last message, even when Elijah isolated himself, even when he ran away from the plan of God, even when he was so discouraged, God met him at every point of his needs. He did not rebuke him. He met him at the point of his needs, and that's what God did to me. And I know that he does to all of us if we're listening to him. But the problem today is that there are so many Christians who are living in a spiritual detours right inside the churches. Many Christians are living their spiritual detours and deliberately presuming on the grace of God. And the beloved, listen to me, that's very dangerous to presume on the grace of God. You may be here today and you are on a detour, secretly, privately, on a detour. No one but you know about it, and God, of course. You may have numbed your conscience. You may have rationalized your detour. I pray that God will speak afresh to you today. We have been looking at the three deadly enemies of success God's way. And in the last message, we saw the first enemy, which is discouragement. And today we're going to see the second enemy, which is a detour. One of the saddest examples of spiritual detours in the Bible is a man by the name of Lot. In fact, the Bible gives us exactly step by step of how he got off on a detour. But before I tell you about Lot, let me tell you that the most important thing you need to remember, if you don't already know it, is that spiritual detours don't happen suddenly. Spiritual detours do not just happen overnight. Spiritual detours don't often take you by surprise. It may, but don't often take you by surprise. In my case, it was baby steps. And like swimming in the shallow end, and then slowly but surely my body was going to the church, but my heart and my life was far away from the Lord. 
And for 18 months, I was in the deep waters until I wake up one day crying to the Lord. C.S. Lewis said it best. Listen carefully. He said, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. And this was true in the life of Lot. He started with the gentle slope and ended up in the cesspool of Sodom and Gomorrah. Question, how can a believer like Lot end up in the bosom of Sodom? The Bible gives us the B footage, the background footage, to show us what happened, how it happened, how he ended up this way. The most important thing that you must never forget is that a little bit of sin does not stay as a little bit of sin. A little bit of sin is going to grow into being a big sin. Lot was a man who began with a little bit of sin and ended up in a cesspool of sin. Lot's sin started secretly in his heart. Then it affected his whole family. As we saw, discouragement can lead you away from the Lord, so was detour. And the reason Joseph, which, by the way, makes a great contrast between Joseph and Lot, and by the way, they were related. The reason Joseph succeeded God's way in his life, because he learned how to defeat these three deadly enemies of success, God's way, discouragement, detour, and doubt. But Lot did not. Contrast these two men. Now, Joseph, of course, was Abraham's great grandson. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Joseph guarded against sin, but Lot crawled his way into sin. Joseph sought to be faithful to God when nobody was watching, but Lot wanted to become a get rich quick and ended up losing everything. Joseph did not count the cost of obedience, oh, but Lot was counting uh, how many possessions he could get if he can do business with Sodom. Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, how can I commit such a sin against the Lord and against my master? Lot said, how can I walk away from that lucrative deal? Elvis Presley's Bible was auctioned off. For thirty thousand dollars, twenty thousand British pounds, because he had some notes in his Bible, and people wanted that. Elvis started singing gospel songs, and then he sought succeeding man's way, not God's way. And just before his death, a reporter asked him a penetrating question. He said to him, "Elvis, when you started on your musical career, you wanted three things in life." You wanted to be rich, you wanted to be famous, and you wanted to be happy. Elvis, now that you are rich and famous, are you happy, Elvis? And the singer immediately responded. He said, no, I am as lonely as hell. He's right about one thing. Hell is a very lonely place. With all of the screaming fans, money, fame, wife, and daughter, and yet all he could say is, I'm lonely as hell. Beloved, that is the price of a detour from success God's way. 
That is the price of succeeding man's way, not God's way. That is the price of refusing to seek success God's way. Now let me tell you about Lot and the steps that led him away from the highway of the Lord. In fact, Lot is really an example of a Christian who has one foot with God and one foot in the world. A Christian who uses the Christian lingo (laughs) to rationalize sin and disobedience. A Christian who puts a spin on a crooked business deal. A Christian who privately is intoxicated with feeding their secret passions and yet try to do some public charity and get mixed up with the faithful who are serving God in that way. First, let me tell you about Lot. He was Abraham's nephew, like I told you. And he was with Abraham the whole time. He left the Urs of Chaldeas with Abraham. Abraham went to Egypt, he went with him. Abraham went to Canaan, he went with him. In today's language, we would say that he was discipled by Abraham, Uncle Abraham. Lot saw God's faithfulness to his uncle, Abraham. Uh, Lot watched how his uncle's deep faith and trust in God, that even though the promise took 25 years to fulfill, how God kept his word. Uh, Lot saw how God blessed his uncle's faithfulness and integrity. He saw how his uncle Abraham occasionally failed and repented and turned to the Lord. But above all, he saw how his uncle experienced success God's way. One time they had a fight and Lot wanted the best part of the land. His uncle said, that's all right. Take with the best you want. Take all that you want. I'll take the leftover. And he did. He lost it all. But God blessed the less that Abraham got. He saw all that. So I want you now to turn to Genesis 13. Verse 10. Lot looked towards Sodom. He just looked. Be careful As the song said, be careful with that look. Now, the Hebrew word here for look does not mean the casual glance. It does not mean the accidental look. It does not mean the inevitable look. That's not what it means. It means looking longingly. It means looking with discontentment of where you are. It means looking and wondering if there is not a good deal to be made there over there at Sodom. Never mind if it's a shady deal. Uh, Never mind if it gets you in bed with some evil people. Never mind if that look we're going to lead you uh, to terrible condition. Uh, Never mind if it's going to lead you to destruction from all that is good and true and wholesome and godly. He probably said to himself, like all Christians who get on a detour, a look just won't hurt. A look is it's not like participating. A, a look is not a sin, is it? Beloved, here's the problem about this look, this longing look from whatever you are, from whatever circumstances God has placed you. That longing look, it does not stay just as a look unless you squelch it right away at the outset. Why? Because the next step, most assuredly, is very imminent. 
And you're going to find it in verse 12. Only two verses. Go down two verses. That might be a long time. We don't know how many years or how many days, how many weeks. Between verses 10 and verse 12. Verse 12, you get to the second step. And he says he got closer to Sodom. In verse 10, it says he just looked longingly. And in verse 12, two verses down, he pitched his tent at the outskirts of Sodom. And if you've asked him, Lot, my buddy, why outskirts? Why don't you just go in? He probably sanctimoniously would have said, Oh, Michael, Sodom is a wicked city. Sodom is an evil city. Sodom is no place to bring up my family. Sodom is a place I just go to and do business and get out. Sodom is not a place for a a good man like me. (laughs) Beloved, the reason I know this is because those awful 18 months of my detour all began with a look. Before long, I was at the outskirts of Sodom. It's amazing, amazing to me how capable we are of rationalizing. We really are. And the worst part is when we start rationalizing it to ourselves. Here's the problem. When Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, he was 99% of the way inside Sodom. He really was. Beloved, let me warn you about spiritual detours. Whatever your detour might be, and let me assure you, there are probably as many detours as there are people here. My detours are different from yours, different from the one sitting next to you. Because whatever the detours that detract you, that is very different from another person, nonetheless, they will get you out and away from the highway of God. Whether it is that business deal that stinks to high heaven, whether it is that website that you keep going back to, whether it is that sinful sexual encounter that you are flirting with and thinking that you'll be okay, whether it is that addiction over which you're blaming everybody else, whether it is ungodly friendship that is dragging you down, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are just looking or you're just at the outskirts. You're at the border. No. No. The only thing you need to do wherever you are is do what Joseph did. Put on your running shoes and run. Because success God's way is going to come your way if you stay away from detours. But success God's way will not come your way if you stay at the outskirts of Sodom. Why? Because the third step is inevitable. Chapter 14, verse 12. There you find Lot at the very heart of Sodom. Right in there. In the middle of it. Now the Bible does not tell us exact moment in which he moved into Sodom. He probably was at the outskirts for a long time. The Bible does not tell us when the, the movers came and took the furniture and moved the family right in Sodom. The Bible does not tell us any of that. The Bible, in fact, does not tell us about the real estate bargain that he could not resist in Sodom. The Bible just said he was inside Sodom. Then comes the fourth step. The fourth. He became part and parcel of Sodom culture. He became part and parcel 
of the Sodomite society. In fact, I can't even get to tell you the dreadful things that he did to his family. Look at Genesis 19. It says he was sitting at the gateway of the city of Sodom. He became a member of the city council. He became so mixed up with Sodom that people could not distinguish between him and all of the evil people who are living there and all the evil things that are going on there. Please hear me right on this one. Reaching people for Christ and sharing the lifestyle are two different planets. I'm sure some of those false teachers and preachers that I have heard through the years said, isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Lot has become part and parcel of Sodom. Now he can have influence on that godless culture. Uh, Lot has become relevant to his culture. Uh, Lot, no doubt, will become a witness to that evil society. He has become a missionary to a corrupt culture. I have no doubt in my mind, God calls his servants to witness to people who may be evil or situations and, and places that are wicked places, no doubt. But God does not call us to participate in their sin. God does not call us to approve of their sin so that we can reach them for Christ. God does not call us to accept their sin or rationalize their sin. Hear me right, please. I don't know how long those four steps have taken to be achieved, but that's really not the issue. It doesn't matter if it's days or months or years. Really, that's not the issue. The question is, what step are you in right now? Where are you? Where are you? And whatever place you are, you can run now. Never too late. Are you at the first step of looking longingly? Stop! Run back to the Lord. Are you in the second step of flirting with sin and thinking that's not going to hurt you? Run back to the Lord. Are you inside Sodom? Get out while they're getting out is good. Here's the problem with Lot's detour. Sodom was inside of him before he was inside of Sodom. And you need to destroy that Sodom that's inside of you by the blood of Jesus Christ before it destroys you. Listen, I've heard enough rationalizing among Christians. I've heard enough rationalizing of sin especially those who find themselves inside Sodom. And that's why I'm saying, don't rationalize. The bottom line is, there is no discussion, there's no debate, there's no rationalizing, there's no argument. Get out! Get out. Run before your bitter tears would drown you. I'm sure someone said, well, you know, look at the Apostle Paul. He said, I became all things to all men, so I mean win people to Christ. Listen to me. Paul did not become an adulterer so that he may reach adulterers. He did not rationalize immorality and said, that's all right, they just can't help it so they can, he can reach them for Christ. That is not what being all things to all men means. Paul never blessed immorality or became part of it. Paul did not become a gambler so he can reach the gamblers. He did not become a thief so he can reach a thief. No! That's rationalizing of sin. 
What Paul is saying is that I have sacrificed everything for the sake of the gospel. In Lot's case, God intervened and he yanked him and his family. Well, most of them anyway. His wife turned into a pillow of salt because she looked back. That longing look could not stop and lost her life. But God had to yank them out. Why? Because Uncle Abraham was standing there on the mountain, interceding for them, praying for them. And wherever you are, somebody's praying for you. Somebody's interceding for you. I know that in my case, it was my sister's intercession before God that woke me up. Believers, if you are not winning Sodom, chances are Sodom is winning you. If you are not possessing your possessions, chances are your possessions are possessing you. Do you want to experience success God's way? Get out of your spiritual detour. And God is going to do the rest. We have a marvelous God, a wonderful God, a faithful God. You get out and he'll do the rest. Get out of your detour. I was thinking how believers who have a testimony and walk with God may even in the ministry and serving God and then find themselves in the ditch of a detour. And I thought about a story that I read many, many years ago about a British, famous British mariner, Sir Francis Drake. Sir Francis Drake circled the globe many times. At the end of his fifth Voyage around the world, right at the end. He comes home to England, and there he encounters a ferocious storm right in the River Thames. The vessel was tossed about because of the storm. In fact, it appeared that it's going to run aground. And the old mariner clinched his fist and he pounded. Can it be that I, who have braved the dangers of seven seas, must come home and drown in a ditch? Beloved, you are on the highway to heaven. Don't drown in a ditch of a detour. Don't drown in a ditch of a detour. You are made for greater things. You are made for higher things. You are made for glorious things. You are made for heaven. Don't drown in the ditch of Sodom, whatever your Sodom may be. Get out now. Only you know where you are. Let this be your altar call. Let this be your symbol of repentance. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come home. I come home. I repent and turn. Father God, you know the secret of every heart. You know every thought before we think them. You know our motives. You know us. You know exactly where everyone is. And therefore, I am confident in the work of your Holy Spirit because He and He alone can do His work in every life. But I plead with you, Lord, don't let anyone who's listening to me, watching or here, would allow those words to serve as witness against them in that great day. For, Father, I love and trust your mercy. In Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.